Yo, 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 golf fans. Big D back with another Open Championship video on the Big D podcast. Before I bring in uh, today's guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. We can see all my content. Already uploaded one open video. Got more golf, football, baseball. Lord knows what else we're appearing. Also, check out the uh, Big D podcast on Spotify and Apple. So, uh, Joining us from uh, Boston today is uh, Fantasy Labs writer and Action Network contributor Matt Vicenzi. Matt, it's Open Championship Week. You know what that means. Yep, Dylan, I'm uh, I'm excited for the Open Championship. It's my favorite of the four majors, and not to mention now we get the 150th at St. Andrews. So what can be better than that? Yeah, let's see. Uh, if you- St. Andrews, home of golf. I can think of better place. I I can't think of a better place to host a special, important venue event than the home of golf. Absolutely not. I mean, this is it's going to be awesome. I mean, uh, where does St. Andrews rank in terms of like not just historic golf venues, but historic sports venues? Because I think of venue and your place, Fenway Park, for baseball, mm-hmm. or like Old Trafford for football in the UK. But uh, to me, St. Andrews feels like the pinnacle of golf. It is. And, and like you said, Fenway Park is a good, a good comp because they're just venues that have withstood the, the test of time. I, you know, I, was, I wrote in my preview this week that in um, 350 years, Saint, or sorry, in over 100 years, St. Andrews has only added about 300 yards in length to their course. So it's, it, it plays incredibly similar to, to the same way it did, you know, 150 years ago. Uh, and there's not many courses in the world that, that could say that. I think you could say maybe with a Brookline, which hosted the U S open because yeah, there are a few nuances that have changed, but, uh, still the same old course. Yep. That's right. You know what hasn't changed in St. Andrews since uh, it started hosting opens back in the 1800s? The uh, 950,000 bunkers on the course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing is I hope now technology hasn't kind of um, gone to the point where most of these guys are, the bunkers aren't in uh, as in play as they have been in the past. And I think a lot of them are like, you know, a little bit shorter on the fairway. So I, I do hope they come into play this week, especially if guys are, are laying up and we're getting that crazy run out. Maybe that's when the bunkers come into play. Yeah. Because you, because there are three, at least three famous bunkers at St. Andrews, hell shell. And then maybe the most intimidating bunker shot in all of golf, the road hole bunker. And in Europe, don't hit it in the bunkers because you could be hacking out for weeks. Yep, that's right. And um, you know, I was reminded. I think I think Tiger said that Jack Nicholas said to him at whenever you play at St Andrews, the miss is left. If you if you miss right, you're completely in jail. So if you're gonna miss, you gotta miss left. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, when Tiger won the 2000 Open Championship, guess how many bunkers he hit in? Zero. Zippity doo <laughs> Of course, if you're hitting the ball at 320 in the center in the fairway, it didn't hurt either. But. Right, and that's what I'm worried about this week. I hope I uh, I hope these bunkers come into play because that's what makes it fun. And you know what else is a challenge and we've seen throughout the year is wind. So uh, obviously we saw wind play havoc with uh, guys in that Thursday afternoon, Friday morning uh, 
tee time and with the open, the open and the masters are the two majors where everybody tees off one, which means you've got a much longer wave than you would at the PJ and US Open, which use one and split tees one and ten. So do you see the wind playing the same same as it did last week, or would we potentially get a little calmer open at St. Andrews win this weekend? So we all know in, in Scotland, the weather can change, um, you know, by the hour, but as of now, it's looking like it's not going to be as, as windy as Thursday, Friday uh, was last week. Um, but again, that can change, but you're right about those, the potential for havoc that the weather can play because you looked at, you know, in Dustin Johnson back in, in 2015 at St. Andrews, when he had a 36 hole lead and then there was a, a big time delay and he didn't play for 36 hours um, because of those long, long rounds. And, um, he, it kind of threw him off and he ended up going 75, 75 on the weekend. So I think for DraftKings lineups, for betting purposes, it's good to wait a while until Wednesday, late Wednesday to see what's going to happen. Cause I remember last week at the Scottish open on Tuesday, everyone was reporting that there was no huge weather advantage. And then by Wednesday at around 7 PM Eastern time, where I am all of a sudden the reports saying that there's going to be a big advantage for the AM PM, um, which ended up coming to fruition besides the fact that Xander won out of the tough wave. <laughs> hey, didn't JG went on the tough wave in the uh, PGA Championship? So what? You get the tough wave, you get the easy wave. It's still the same golf course. Yep, absolutely. I um I was on JT that week, and Thursday, Friday was some of the best golf I've seen anybody play all year because he was just battling the elements and he was just playing absolutely unbelievable. And Saturday, he had a really bad day when he was you know with the with the rest of the field. So you can, I guess you never know how that's going to play out, but. The most part, it, it it tends to uh, go with the, the the advantage. I don't I don't know that sixty nine at a Sawgrass was the best round. That sixty nine by JT and the sixty eight by Bubba at Sawgrass and forty mile an hour winds might have been the rounds of the year. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, if you think of who's coming into this tournament hot, well, I can't think. Well, one guy you just mentioned is Xander Shelfley. Let's see, he won the Travelers. And then won the Scottish Open last week. So, I mean. Don't forget the Pro-Am, J.P. McManus, too. <laughs> yeah. J- and won the Pro-Am in Ireland. So, he's figured, so he's finally got the game going. He's, he's got plenty of experience in links golf. Never missed a cut at the Open Championship. How do you rate Xander going into potentially his best opportunity at ending the major jinx? I think he, he has a good chance and his odds are starting to you know indicate that he's now the clearly the second favorite behind Rory McIlroy and uh, for good reason. I, I completely understand that. But for me, th- those odds is not worth it, especially considering, you know, he's had a hard time winning throughout his career. And now that he's reeled a couple off in a row, I don't think that makes him any more likely to do it again. I, I kind of am thinking the opposite to where water is going to find its level. And if he wins three in a row and he, and he beats me at 14 to one, then so be it. But I'm not going to be a part of it. Actually, actually, on the DK Sportsbook, Sanders twelve to one. Well, yeah, he keeps going down and down. I saw him like yeah a couple of days ago, and he was 16, 18. and then I was like, "What is he going to be today?" He's he's plus twelve hundred. Rory's the favorite at plus nine hundred. <laughs> Two weeks ago, Xander was twenty five. Dang. Yep. I what you could have gotten for a Scottish Open, Xander Scottish Open, Open. Paul Lay. 
Yep, probably 250 to one or something like that. So name me one guy. Uh, name me one guy you think is playing well heading into the Open. I think starting with uh, so I bet four guys. The first one is Jordan Spieth. He just feels incredibly obvious, and I usually don't like that, but this year, obvious almost seems to win. Look at the narrative of, of Matt Fitzpatrick going into the U.S. Open, where he won the he won the amateur there, and he you know loves the course. I feel a similar way about Jordan Spieth. You know, in 2015, he was one shot out of that playoff when he played St. Andrews, so he obviously loves the course. He's great at, with Lynx golf. His open record is impeccable. Since that fourth place in 2015, he also has a win and a runner-up to go along with a ninth and five five additional starts, so... Yeah, he's just basically a top 10 machine at the open. He's playing well and he's creativity around the greens, the way he can use the mounds and use the slopes to, to his advantage and lag putt. I think he, uh, he has a great chance. Uh, I don't think I, I think Jordan makes a lot of sense and you get, you get a red hot Jordan sweep from me true. Accuracy may matter, but I mean, with, with hundred yard fairways, even Jordan sweep could find a few fairways this week. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and this year he's actually been pretty reliable off the tee. And I watched a lot of him last week on the featured group coverage. And I mean, he was just hitting the ball and bending over to pick up the tee, wasn't even watching it. He just seems really confident. Ironically, he's he's been struggling with the putter, but I think the slower kind of greens and um, this style of golf is better, you know, better suited for his putting style, which has kind of come to fruition in previous Open Championships. Okay, so who else do you like this week? So my second bet at 28 to one was Cameron Smith. Uh, and he's also like a speed type player, right? So this, this week I'm looking for more creativity. And I think around the greens, he's very good. Um, he hadn't had much link success in his career prior to this season, but I think he's a different player now than he, than he was before. He's kind of taken that jump to the next step. And last week he, he finished in a tie for 10th, which is encouraging. You got the putter working again, you know, open championship, you got to drill putts. And no one drills a 14-foot par putt like Cam Smith does. So I think he's the type of guy who's just going to walk up and knock it down, just like he did at the players. Uh, I think he's just a perfect golfer for this course. Yeah, and plus, coming from Australia, you know Cam Smith's got plenty of experience in the win. Guess what? He won a Windy Players Championship, and we've seen where ball strikers can win. I mean, Louis, the last, Louis, the last couple from St. Andrews, Zach Johnson, Plenty of speed, but plenty of ball strikers can do well in camp. And Aussies have done, did well in 2015. I mean, uh, Mark Leishman was in the playoff. Jason Day was one shot out. Adam Scott played well, has played well at the Open. Three in the top 10 that year in 2015, three Aussies. Maybe, maybe Cam Smith is this, is this year's incarnation from down under. I think he is. You know, my one concern is, um, are the golf gods going to allow a guy with a mullet to win the 150th open? <laughs> <laughs> you, you wonder what old Tom Morris would think if a guy with a mullet wins a hundred, yeah. win the Claret jug. Yep. That it would be a sight to see, but I'm here for it. Well, John Daly won an open. So I mean, John, Daly, a, they were John more in Daly. style then though. <laughs> you imagine what John Daly, what, John Daly winning a PJ and an open would have done today with all this social media happening, everybody like showing him drinking, smoking. Oh, he'd be canceled. <laughs> okay, so uh, who are you all the betters and betting? So this one, a lot of people aren't probably aren't gonna like this one, but Dustin Johnson, uh 35 to one. 
the live stuff, I get it. I think there's a narrative going along with, with some of these live guys. And I, I don't think you can put one label on all of them, but for him, you know, a lot of people say now he only cares about the money. He's, he doesn't care about golf anymore. I don't believe that. I still think he cares about winning majors and I still think he's capable of winning majors. And he's been another guy who's been great in the open in his last 11 open, open championship starts. He has six top 15 finishes. So he, he plays them great. He's played St. Andrews great. Like I mentioned back in uh, 2015, when he had that 36 hole lead, he really got kind of screwed by, by the weather delay. And, um, but it doesn't change the fact that he really likes the golf course. Uh, great with a wedge. Um, I think he's 13th uh, this season in proximity from 100 to 125 yards. So he's the type of guy who can take advantage of, uh, of this type of course. And he might have a little bit of extra motivation, not just from what happened in 2015, but all these lift golfers have been uh, taking a negative publicity with all these guys taking foul money and all these lift golf off guys and uh but maybe J- dj uses that as positive as positive motivation this week yeah i mean just and just the the, the value on the number I, i've seen 40 in some spots i actually bet a 35 but now i'm seeing 40 on a couple a couple sites so you know 40 to 1 for a guy who has the record he has is you know just won a major recently he's a he's a proven elite player. And I think it's just good value. And you're, you're actually getting a nice discount because of all that live narrative that's going on. And who else rounds out your betting call? And the last one is the same, uh, same type of thing as, as DJ, another live guy who is getting penalized in the betting market, I think because of it. And it's Louis Ustazen who has played here twice and he's won and lost in a playoff. And now he's 50 to one, which I, you know, and he's, and you, he, was in contention in all the majors last year and he's starting to play a little better. Uh, he was fifth at live Portland. I know a lot of people don't want to take that into consideration, but um, the fact that he was, he, he's, he must be playing. Okay. I mean, those were pretty tough setups as much. People don't want to admit it. The two, the two courses they played were pretty tough. He finished eighth and fifth on the Portland event. He was top 10 in both fairways hit and greens and regulation. So I, I think he uh, is starting to round into form at a golf course where he loves. And, you know, there are some courses you figure out quickly. Jordan Speed figured out Augusta in a minute. Tiger mm-hmm. figured out St. Andrews in a second. Louis figured out St. Andrews in a millisecond. Yep. Yeah. And put, put a club, uh, you know, like a three wood in his hand. He doesn't have to really try to keep up with the big boys off the tee. He'll put it in the fairway every single time. Yeah, I think my betting call, it's going to be, I think if I could bet, I wish I could bet here in Florida, that government, but uh, we'll work on that. But uh, uh, my betting call starts with uh, Colin Morcow. Anytime I see Colin Morcow with a two in it, I'm I'm excited. But if he's got a three next to his name, <laughs> I'm doing backflips. <laughs> I don't care if Colin Morcow missed the cut of the Scottish Open. I don't care that Colin Morcow has not played well really since California, the California, except for the final round in Augusta. And I mean, yeah, he did play well the final round at uh, Brookline, but he crapped the bet in the third round. But everybody did that day. Mm-hmm. You know what kind of ball striker Colin Morcow can be, and yeah, his. Link's golf experience is not that much, but he won last year. And I feel like more Cal is coming into this tournament a little bit under the radar. 
Yeah. Which I can't believe I'm saying the reigning open champs coming up coming under Laredo because everybody's talking about uh, Xander, Scotty Scheffler, McElroy, J- Thomas, Rom, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Patrick Cantley. I'm just saying, Colin Wall Cal won the Claire Jug last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're going to a course which actually may be better for him. Yeah, it, the course is, pro- is probably a good fit for him. You know what I noticed too is like Morikawa, when he starts to not even play poorly, but just kind of falls off, his odds drop quicker than all these other elite guys. So he does get disrespected on the odds board uh, quite a bit. So I, I totally get that. Um, and I, I think he, he definitely could win. He's obviously more than capable. My only concern with him is just statistically, the approach numbers that we were seeing last year leading into the Open were staggering. I mean, I think... He, were unbelievable and this this year they're not quite as as high as good as they were last year doesn't mean he can't win but i think that's kind of the reason why his you know he doesn't do anything else well enough besides that approach play um that he needs that really to carry him and if he doesn't have that clicking on all cylinders he probably won't compete well speaking of approach guys uh do you know who's do you know who may be the uh best ball striker in the world right now uh I think you're going to say Will Zalatoris. Yep, Will Zalatoris. I feel. I mean, let's see. In Will Z's nine major starts, he's got six top eight finishes, three runner-up finishes at the other three majors. Yeah. Runner-up at the PGA and US Open. Unbelievable. Yes, yeah, his major and, record. And I can't believe I'm saying this a little like Macau. He's a very juicy price. I mean, on DK Sportsbook, he's 30 to 1. I've seen him where he's like 40 on some books. Yeah. Sign yeah. me up. Yep. Sign me up. I like your strategy. You're going for the guys who you think are overpriced or underpriced for, for their talent level and their success in majors. And I think it's a, it's a great strategy, especially in a place like St. Andrews where all skill sets are pretty much in play. So you just take the, the guys who have the best numbers based on you know their, their track record. Um, and Zalat- my question for Zalatoris is, does he have the creativity around this type of golf course? He doesn't really have the most links experience. Um, you know, wasn't great last week, right? So I think he definitely uh, – it would not, not surprise anybody if he won or came in second or, or whatever did again. But I think, you know, I'm curious to see how he reacts to this link style test. Yeah. Let me guess. He'll be second for like the 15th straight major and just pull my hair and I'm going to pull my hair off. It's going to be Xander and Woolsey in the final final group and one of those two and and the guy from like eight shots behind is going to win and then all the Xander and Woolsey people are going to be like, oh my goodness, not again. Cam Smith's going to steal. He's going to drain a 60-foot putt from off the green or something like that. He's going to hole out from the road home bunker. Yep, yep, that's right. That gummit. <laughs> well, my third guy, I liked him a little more uh, yesterday when he was 80 to 1, but uh, Max Homa's intriguing. Don't like him near as much at 40, but uh, if you could have gotten him this past weekend when he was, what, 70, 80 to 1, I feel like Homa's coming in, won uh, the Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. Wells Fargo? Yep. Wells Fargo and uh, you know he's I know Max Holman might be limited in links golf experience but I think he's played 36 holes like the past couple of weeks getting himself acclimated 
played well at the Scottish Open and can be really streaky. If the win wins a little less than it was for the Scottish Open, I think that plays right in the homeless hands. Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah, the more American style we see this week, the more uh, better chance he has to win. And he does carry win equity. You know, he's the type of guy who has won at long odds. Um, I, I was on him at the Fortinet last year when he won at 65 to 1. Um, and that was an awesome one. I just think, yeah, in terms of his relative value compared to what his odds usually are, he has a higher percentage chance to win than his odds will indicate. So I like that going same with your strategy of guys who are a little overpriced, especially if that 80, that 80 to one price 40, I probably wouldn't touch, but I think 80, you're getting a lot of value. Well, you got to get, well, you pick the guy from down under. I've got to pick somebody from down under. How about yep. Mr. Scott top 10 here last time, 2015, should have won the Open in 2012 when he donated it to Ernie Ellis in the final <laughs> round. But, uh, you know, Sam, Aussies have done well at this place in the past. And, you know, Adam Scott can ball strike the heck out of a golf course. The question is, can he putt Wolf a crap? Yeah, that's one I might join you on. I saw him kind of creeping up towards that 100 to 1. Um, and I think that's just worth the shot, right? A guy who has great, been great in opens and he's actually been putting really well this year. Um, my only, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to bet the hundred, but my only question for him is he hasn't really been playing as much golf as he, as he kind of has in years past. And, um, a lot of times we've seen major winners. I, I was looking at this earlier today. Um, the majority of the major winners in the past decade or so have played golf either the week before or two weeks prior to. The, the major championship. So he hasn't played in a few weeks. So I think that goes against him, but I think at a hundred to one, he's absolutely worth a shot. I'm just saying Tiger, Tiger has not played all Tiger has not Tiger's played twice all year and it's got to, and it's got better numbers than Scott. Tiger's yeah. at 60 and Scott's at 65. Yeah. I, and that number, I think, and I, I know drafting these 65, but I've seen a bunch of other sites to where he's um, creeping up 80, 90, hundred. Uh, so speaking from a DK perspective, uh, obviously it's early and uh, you being a fantasy labs writer. So it's early in the week. So obviously we don't even know when like guys will tee off what the wins will be, but who is, who is looking like your maybe not the chalky guys, but your favorite GPP options right now. So I, uh, one of my favorite plays on the board, I think, is Tommy Fleetwood. I think he's 8,600, and um, it, it's a real question whether or not he can win, right? He hasn't shown that he can, um, and, you know, these types of fields in a, in a major championship field with uh, all these, you know, best players in the world. But he's shown that he loves this course. He's um, won the Alfred Dunhill links that has two rounds at St. Andrews, and he's, um, he's playing great. He had a great ball-striking day on Sunday at the Scottish Open. He gained almost four strokes in approach on Sunday alone. Um, so I think he's getting hot at the right time. If there is something he can win, it's probably an open championship considering he's, he's won it, you know, in this part of the world. So I think his floor is very high. I don't see him missing the cut this week. I think at that price, you can kind of pencil him in there and hope that you get the winner alongside him. Tommy, Tom, yeah. And Tommy can get streaky. How we've seen at the U S open top T fifth at the PGA, mm -hmm. PGA at Southern Hills. So, uh, so uh, maybe not the maybe not the mullet, but uh, maybe Tommy Fleetwood's hair could uh, would enjoy the Clara jug then. The lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see it. 
I mean, I've heard, I mean, I think there were a couple interesting guys. I mean, I heard Tom say, Tom referenced uh, Robin McIntyre yesterday, especially, I mean, true, I'm not sure how much an advance the driver will be, but he could, he's interesting. Uh, I'm intrigued what Victor Holland's ownership will be because he, well, crapped the bed this weekend when I, I was in on him at the Scottish Open, missed the U.S. Open cut, missed the Scottish Open cut, not great really in any in any event since the API or players, but could potentially, but you know how many events Victor Hovland's won in America? None. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I fell on that trap alongside you last week. I was on him at the Scottish. I thought he could, uh, and that's one of the reasons he hasn't been great in America. And I thought it was a, it maybe a good chance for him. The one thing I'm thinking about with him and Hideki, I think they're both going to live if I had to guess. And I think, these guys before they make the announcement that there's, you know, a lot of sleepless nights. And I think those guys have been struggling until after they make the announcement and after they settle in, I think DJ and Louie will be fine because the time has passed and they've faced the media once already. And I think they've gotten through it, but I think guys like Hideki and Victor are untouchable for me just because I feel like it's coming on the horizon. Yeah. I've heard rumors of Hideki leaving. I, I don't know about Hovland, but, uh, Lord knows what's going to happen with all these LIV guys. Yeah, yeah. If you have, if your crystal ball had to project which golfer is the chalkiest in millionaire or big GPPs this weekend, who will be said golfer? I'll give you three. I think there's three guys who come in above 20% this week. I think it's Xander um, will be over 20%. I think... Spieth will be over 20%. And I think the third one is kind of a um, interesting one is Tony Finau, partly because his open track record is so good, but another part is because his price 8,400 is so cheap. You can kind of pair him up with these other guys. And um, I think his ownership is going to get up there as well. I think you're right with, I think you're right with two of them. And to me, Xander and Spieth could be over 30% because 99, because what are they? 99, 10 grand, 99. So people love that. People love stacking the 9K range. So I feel mm-hmm. like both of them going to be chalky. Uh, I feel like Max Homa at 7,900 is going to be chalky. And uh, I know he, I know he uh, didn't perform well last week, but uh, Ryan Fox at 7,100 intrigues me. I like that, actually, because you know what? At, if he was good last week, he'd probably be 25% on this week at 7,100. But the, the fact that he was bad, now we might get a chance to play him without having to eat all that ownership. And we know people people from Australia do well, so why can't a Kiwi do well here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely uh, he can. I, I think that's a, a nice little bounce back spot for him. Another guy I like who's cheap is uh, 6,700. Uh, Dean Burmeester. We talked about Louis, a South African who won, and Burmeester was tied for 10th last week at the Scottish. Hits it far off the tee, can probably take advantage of some of these uh, shorter holes. I think he might be a sneaky little play. Are you worried by his inconsistency, though, because he missed one, two, one, two, four cuts in a row before for the BMW, and then he missed the cut in Ireland and then played well in the Scottish Open last week. 
Yeah, definitely worried about that. Um, but I think, you know, and we go have to dip in that 6K range. And I think you kind of have to this week. You got to take a chance on somebody. So he's somebody just that, that I'm looking at. Um, but absolutely, there's a ton of risk involved, especially, you know, with him. He's a boomer bust type of guy. But might be the guy you want in a, in a Millie maker. Yep, absolutely. So this time Sunday night, uh, who will be holding the Claire Jug as the champion golfer of the year? Uh, it's going to be the man with the mullet, Cameron Smith. Okay, okay. We are. Pl- I was thinking we'd be playing alphabet soup, but now we're gonna. But now we're gonna confuse each other. So you've got one guy with the hair. I'll take the other guy with the hair. I think Roselle Torres finally ends his major jinx. And gets and gets number one. We've seen Americans win for the last five opens at St. Andrews. Rosal Torres is due for major. I feel like he's capable. This course fits him. He can ball strike the heck out of it. And yeah, I don't care if he can't put Wolf or crap, but you know what? So I feel like this is a week where Zalatoris will get it together and he will finally show, finally put it all together. And instead of almost making that putt, he will make the putt to win the tournament. Yep. And to your point, he's a great lag putter too, which is going to be really important here with these huge, huge greens. So, hey, I'm excited to go back on Sunday night and I'll and send you a message and see uh, which one of us was right. Hopefully one of us at least. Yeah, and you know what, and you know what will happen. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a three man playoff again. <laughs> Smith and Will Zalatoris are both gonna be in there, and the third guy is gonna win again. Like pick some other random guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe it could be uh, maybe a Rory or a Justin Thomas or something. I'm trying to think. Like the best thing that happened for golf would be what would be the best thing that could happen from a golf standpoint. Rory, Rory is one. Spieth is two. And Rom three, and uh, Rom three. I'd like to see that, but I don't know if um, you know worldwide Rom has the carries the cachet that you see the guys like Rory, especially with the PGA Tour and the whole live stuff going on. They want a guy like Rory to win so bad. Would it be bad if Tiger won? Oh, actually, I that would be the best. Obviously, <laughs> I didn't think of that part, but that's probably unlikely. I mean, if Tiger won after what fifteen car accidents, nine neck surgeries, six back surgeries, twenty knee, knee knee operations, that would be something. If if that happens, I'll do this show next year for the open nude. <laughs> I'll do, I'll pull a Hugh Hefner and, <laughs> and wear a robe. Beautiful. Okay, so uh, thank you, Matt. We wish you well. Hopefully uh, things go well with uh, your bets and your kids. And uh, hopefully this week is uh, another special week in the game of golf. Might be the last time we see all these top guys together. It could be. Thanks. I appreciate uh, you having me on, Dylan.